Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. Amen. I preached a sermon one time at Hope. Well, it was Harvest Brampton at the time. Do you remember that, Jermaine, where the mic cut out the whole time? So if this one happens this way, I'm just going to... Kim said it to me. She's like, what are you going to do? You just got to keep going. All right, so we're going to try that. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Luke 19. We're going to look at verses 1 to 10. I was uh, in a shop this week on the West End, and there's this guy that I kind of see every week when I'm in the shop. And he said to me, he goes, Marv, what is God telling you to say to the church this week? Honestly, it kind of hit me a little bit, and then I just kind of leaned against the wall, and I was thought about it for a minute. I was like, don't give up. And that, when I said it, I was like, I looked at him, I'm like, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I'm saying that to myself. But I think that's what God is saying. Don't give up. That in the faith, when you choose to follow Jesus, there's hills and there is valleys. There's times where it's tough, but your faith is not in vain. And a couple weeks ago, I kind of gave a message like this, which was like, don't give up. So maybe this is kind of part two of that. And then I thought, how, how does that question, because no lie, when the, when the guy stopped me, I didn't really want to talk to him. I mean, sometimes, honestly, I'm like, I, I, I kind of want to avoid people a little bit. I'm with, with people a lot. It's okay to be honest, right? It's church. You feel it too, right? Sometimes I'm like, ah, but I realize like sometimes God kind of brings interruptions and you need to examine them. Why did I get interrupted? I'm trying to go over here and just read this book and he wants to talk. So I'm like, why God, why am I having this interaction? And I realize, and I ask myself, how does this interaction connect to the sermon I'm supposed to give? Because I don't think this is an accident. And then it hit me. The spirit hit me with this. A little theology, some good theology on salvation helps you keep going. And this text, a man comes to faith. And what I want to do today is give you from this text a little theology on salvation to help you and me because I'm just like you. Walking just like you, struggling just like you, doubting sometimes just like you. So I want to give a little theology that helps us keep going in the faith. Verse 1 of chapter 19 says, He entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, 
Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. Isn't there always somebody upset when God's doing a good thing? I'm in a good spot today, I think. He has gone into to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, and every time you see behold in Scripture, it's telling you, pay attention. What I'm about to say is important. What the person's about to say is important. Behold, Lord, half my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone, anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today, not tomorrow, today, not next week, today, right now, salvation has come to this house since he is also a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. God, we give you thanks that you do not leave us to ourself. That in our struggle, in our sin, in our mess, you come, you save and you rescue and you change lives. I pray you'd help us to appreciate the word right now. I pray it would minister to us. You'd help me to serve, Lord God, as your servant to my brothers and sisters. And I pray we would leave here encouraged and built up in the faith, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus is going to Jerusalem. We're on the way now in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus is making his way to die. And he goes and he comes through Jericho. And you hear that Zacchaeus wants to see him. Verse 3, it says, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on a crowd, account of the crowd, he could not because he was small of stature. He wants to see him, but there's an obstacle. Here's the point. When you're trying to pursue Jesus Christ, there's going to be obstacles. Amen. You will set a goal, you will set that goal, and there's going to be obstacles. Things are going to come in the way, it's going to be hard. Maybe it's just church is going to is starting a little earlier than you expected. All right. There is obstacles. Sometimes reading the scriptures is boring. Right? What is it? Isn't Chronicles just a whole bunch of names at the beginning, the first nine chapters? Right. And my mom's with me. You just skip those. There's obstacles. Sometimes people in church disappoint you. You're trying to pursue Jesus. And there's the obstacle. Sometimes you have moment of real doubt. Here's the thing, though. Zacchaeus had an obstacle, but if you look in the text, he didn't let it get in the way. It says he ran and he climbed a tree. What's Luke telling you? He got creative. You're not seeing people climb trees every day. Two-year-olds maybe, but not a 52-year-old. He got creative. And what I'm telling you is, you may right now be trying to pursue Jesus. You're like, I want to do this. I want to grow. I want to get right. I want to mature in the faith. But there's an obstacle. The question is, what are you willing to do to reach that goal? Are you willing to be creative? Are you willing to make the necessary adjustments? Are you just going to give up? Keep going. Say, tell somebody, keep going. Be creative. Say it. Got to be creative. Verse 5 says, and when he came to the place, this he being Jesus, he looked up. He looked up. 
and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. Notice, disciples, true disciples, people who are saved, obey. He gave him a command. Get out the tree, brother. That's what he said. Come on down. What did he do? He came down. Joy- and it's not just like grudging obedience. Oh, I can't believe God's asked me to do this. It's joyful obedience. Joyfully he comes down and obeys. Received him joyfully, it says. And I want you to know, this is the first little piece of theology on salvation. We don't find Jesus, Jesus finds us. We don't go looking for Jesus, he comes looking for us. Jesus looked up, he said, come on down. What did that old hymn say? I sought the Lord. And after I knew, he moved my souls to seek him, seeking me. It was not I that found, O Savior, true. No, I was found of thee. Somebody say amen. Amen. You didn't find Jesus. Jesus took the initiative. Right? When I was out in the club making a mess of my life, Jesus said, okay, Marv, that's enough of that. Come on over. It's time to leave that, that nonsense and choose life. You didn't find Jesus. He took the initiative to rescue and save you. You're in the faith because the king came calling. And what, what, you got to know this. He called Zacchaeus by name. Now, no lie, I was was thinking about this. I was like, I don't, they've never met. And you could be like, maybe somebody, you know, told Jesus about Zacchaeus, so he kind of knew the brother before. But I think this speaks to the reality that Jesus just knew him because Jesus is Lord. He called him by name and he calls you by name. Do you know that? And I'm telling you it because I want you to know, because this helps you not give up. You need to understand, Jesus sees you. Jesus knows you. I don't know all the struggles you're going through all the time. I don't know the up and downs. I don't know the days when it just feels like, hmm, I just can't keep climbing. But Jesus knows. Jesus is there. Here's the other part. He cares for you. He called you by name. He says, Jermaine, you are mine. He says, Cho, you are mine. Come. He says, Sam, you are mine. Come. Sabrina, you are mine by name. You need to understand how, sometimes I don't think we understand just how loved by God we are. And Satan wants you in the struggle to think you are not. He want, And your flesh is like, let's just turn from this. And God is telling you in the struggle, in the grind, in the up and down, you are known, you are called by name, you are loved deeply by God. And he's with you in all of it, carrying you most of the time to help you keep going. Notice this. Zacchaeus just wanted to see Jesus. And he got saved by Jesus. What I'm trying to tell you is, whenever you choose to pursue Jesus, whenever you just push through those obstacles, you're always going to get more than you expected. He he wanted a little thing, and he got a big thing. Because he pushed through. Are you going to push through? Are you going to keep going? Verse 6 says, he received Jesus joyfully. But I told you before, God's doing a good thing. Somebody's always cussing and complaining, though. 
Look at verse 7. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. They grumbled. They complained. And it's because they're self-righteous. They're grumbling. They're complaining because they're self-righteous. They also don't like what he does for a living. In verse 2, it says that he was a chief tax collector. That means he took your money. I'll just, I'll just leave it right. I'll just let it hang for a minute. He messed with your pockets. He troubled your bread. A chief, ta- and here's the thing. He was a collaborator with Rome, the oppressor. And, and, and he was in management. Chief tax collector. That, he organized the collection. And here's the thing. It's like, you know, one of them pyramids, he's on the top. Because he took a little, their bread made his bread even better. Because he took a percentage off the collectors. So he was really motivated to do his job. So when they look at this guy, he is the sinner supreme. When they look at Zacchaeus, they're like, this brother has no hope. He's the kind of guy you give up on. But what did Jesus say? Verse 5. And he came to that place and he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, I must, you come down. Hurry and come down. For I must stay at your house today. This is the guy you give up on. But Jesus didn't. Keep telling you that one of the reasons why you shouldn't give up on God is because God won't give up on you. This is the guy you give up on, but Jesus didn't. Look at verse 10. I'll tell you why. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus is the kind of person Jesus comes for. The kind of person who knows that they have sinned, but they're ready for a change. The kind of person who knows that they're lost, but they're ready for the king to lead them home. This is who he came for. And so he hurries and he comes down. He's joyful, but they're grumbling. Remember I told you, it's because they're self-righteous. They say, he's gone to be in the home of a man who is a sinner. What are they saying? There's nothing wrong with us. Just just read your Bible like a human being. What are they saying? There's nothing wrong. We're good. Nothing about, they're looking at him and they think that they see him clearly. Clearly. While they're blind to their own sin. What's the sin? Grumbling. Grumbling. Blind to their own sin. Here's the danger with grumbling and complaining. It makes you blind to the reality that there's certain things in your life that needs fixing too. Oh, let me say it again. I don't have to say it again. You got it. All right. Don't leave, I love it when you don't leave me up here. Makes you blind. That there's certain things that need to be worked out in your own life. Now, grumbling and complaining is something you want to avoid. But I do want to say, it is okay. Let me balance this. It's okay to give good, God-honoring, healthy critique. Listen to me on this. Grumbling, avoid that. 
Giving critique and feedback in a humble and good is a good thing. And I want to show you the difference so you can check yourself. The difference between grumbling and complaining and giving a good, good critique. Here's, you know you're grumbling and complaining when you point out what is wrong and offer no solutions. You point out what is wrong and can't see that you might be part of the problem. You point out what is wrong, but you're not trying to be part of the solution. Don't you love people like that? I, I, no lie, I'll just be full of, if somebody comes to me and they, they tell me something and they don't want to be a part of the solution, I don't listen. Amen. <laughs> you can tell what house I grew up in. I will, thank you for what you've said. But if you don't want to be a part of this thing, then how are we going to get it right? Here's the, here's the best one. You know you're grumbling and complaining where you try to downplay the sinful grumbling with false humility. Here's how it starts. I know I'm not perfect, but... It's, it's false humility. And all you're trying to do is deflect. I was talking to Kim about this. She's like, you're just trying to deflect away and hoping that the person doesn't say, but what about this going on in your life? deflecting. Here's how you give healthy critique and feedback. And honestly, as people, one of, my, one of my coaches used to say when I was playing football, feedback, critique is the breakfast of champions. Be willing to have that in your, in your life, in your organization, in your whatever it is. Welcome that. Don't be those. That's the other part of the pride, right? I don't want anybody to speak into my life. That's, you don't want to go there either. Welcome that. Invite it in. Healthy critique, you think and pray before you speak and figure out what is going well and what needs to improve. See, in anything, it's not always all bad. But your temptation is to just focus on that, on the bad, and not sometimes acknowledging the good. Here's the other one. You humbly and gently point out areas of weakness and acknowledge that you might have a part to play in things being the way they are. It's not always the other person's fault. It's not always the organization's fault. Sometimes it's your fault. Sometimes it's my fault in my own house. It's not always everybody else's fault. You offer realistic solutions and ask how you can help things improve. Just, just apply that in your work, in your community, in your church, in your family, in your friendships. And, and watch the difference that's going to make. People who grumble and complain annoy everyone. No lie. That person who's smiling at you right now while you're grumbling and complaining, doing the fault, eventually they're just going to start avoiding you because all you ever do is grumble and complain. And who wants to be around people like that? But people who are willing to give critique, willing to walk with people, willing to help them grow and mature, everyone welcomes that kind of person into their life. Because you look at that person and you say, you're for my better, you're for my good. You're trying to help this thing go forward. And you are also aware that you yourself have lots of areas where you need to grow and change. Be about that. Healthy feedback, not grumbling and complaining. Verse 8 says, and Zacchaeus stood. See, they're grumbling and complaining. Zacchaeus is just going about his business. He's going about his life. 
He's going about getting things right. Since Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone, anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. Here's a little bit more th- you're all afraid. It's okay. I was a little bit afraid too. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I love that we're family. No lie. I could just say stuff that I'd say in front of my kids. Let me give you a little bit more theology on salvation. When Jesus finds you, finds us, he changes our hearts. He says, half my goods I give to the poor. Zacchaeus is ready to stop taking and he's ready to start giving. He says, if I've defrauded anyone, I restore it fourfold. He moves from a life now of injustice and he's ready to do justice. He's like, I know. I know, when he says, if I've defrauded someone, he's saying, I have defrauded. He's telling the truth. He's ready to go above and beyond. What this is called, it's called the fruit of repentance. He is bearing fruit with keeping with repentance. Pastor Thabiti Anabwili says, repentance isn't complete until there's justice given to those we have sinned against. We cannot say we are repentant and following Christ if we intend to leave unaddressed and unchanged the wrongs we have committed against others. He's wanting to get things right. And when you choose to make things right, it's hard. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. It's hard. Because when you go to make things right, you go over and you talk to somebody and you realize just how much hurt you've caused sometimes. Sometimes when you go to make things right, you realize the person who I've hurt, they're not ready to forgive me just yet. And you got to live with that. You got to deal with that. You got to walk through that. Making things right is hard. But when you choose to make things right, you are on the road of health and healing. You're also on the road of helping the person heal who you have hurt. So be willing to step into what is hard and not running from it. That's what he is doing. Here's another thing you got to realize about salvation. When Jesus really changes you, it changes the way you relate to possessions. I don't know if you listened to Pastor Sean last week, but he talked about the money thing and possessions. Zacchaeus is, he, what's he doing? He, he's, he's holding possessions loosely. He's giving to the poor. He's, he's giving back what he's taken from others. See, the reason why he can do this is because now the brother knows who his provider is. Amen. And let me say this. If you're not willing to give it away, salvation might not have come your way. Oh, yeah. Think, and sometimes you watch people and they're just, they're just holding on to this thing. Whatever. And it doesn't always have to be money. It could be anything. Holding on to it. And what's going on deep down underneath that is you actually don't trust God to provide for you the rest of the way. And so that thing that you're holding on to, that's your God. That is what has your heart. And Zacchaeus is looking at Jesus and he's like, you have my heart, not my money. You have my heart. And I know that you're a, you own it all. 
What God say? Everything is mine. And so when I believe that God is my provider, when I believe that God is going to look after me, when I trust that God is with me, when I trust that God knows me, that God cares about me, he knows my needs, he knows what's coming up, he knows the things that I'm a little bit stressed about. When I know that, when I believe that by faith, I give stuff away because I'm like, God is with me and he's not going to leave me and I trust that he is a provider so you can have it because he has it all. And that's my father, that's my king, I give it away. He's trusting. See, when Jesus changes your heart, it shows. He finds us, we don't find him. He changes us, and it shows. When he has settled down in the house of your heart, your priorities change. When you're talking to Jesus every day because he lives at your crib, your habits change. And the love shows for God and your neighbor. And that's what you see going on in this man's life. He loves God and he loves his neighbor. That's a sign of salvation. Jesus says, salvation has come to your house. What you have here is, this is, a, this is, this is a picture of what it means for the camel to go through the eye of the needle. All you got to do is turn back. Go back to Luke 18. Luke 18, 24. This is the, I'm going back to where Pastor Sean was, the story of the rich young ruler. It says, and Jesus seeing that he had become sad. This is after Jesus tells him, sell all you have and give to, come follow me. Jesus says, give it up. Make me your God, not that thing. It says, and Jesus seeing that he had become sad, say, said, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it's easier for the, for the camel to go through the eye of the needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. It says, and, and those who heard it said, then who can be saved? But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Let me give you a little bit more theology on salvation. God can save anyone. God can save anyone. And you need to hold on to that reality. You need to trust that reality because it keeps you praying. When you believe God can save and think about that person right now, you're like, mm, I don't know. What did Jesus say? What is impossible? Anything is possible with God. It keeps you praying. It keeps you witnessing. Sometimes our witnessing dies out because we're like, I don't think God can do it. And God's like, oh, you don't know me, Brother Marv. Keeps you witnessing. It keeps you trusting, not giving up hope that that person can just come around the bend like that. Today is the day. Are you praying? Are you witnessing? Are you trusting? Because Jesus says you should. Here's the other thing. There's a couple things we need to see here. When Jesus says salvation has come to this house, this is not him saying Zacchaeus has earned his salvation by the things that he has done. He's not earning salvation. The actions of Zacchaeus is just reflecting what's going on in his heart, what has happened in the past. That's why he's called a son of Abraham because he has faith like Abraham. His faith moved him to action. His faith changed the direction of his life. See, good works don't save you, 
but people who are saved do good works. Again, more theology on salvation. People who are saved do good works. If Garnet Silk met Zacchaeus, just go home and Google that name. You'll be blessed musically, I promise you. If he met Jesus on Bay Street, do you know what he'd tell him? He'd tell him, rejoice in his name. Your life has changed. Rejoice in his name. Your life has changed. And if I met Zacchaeus on Bay Street, I'd tell him a couple things too. Here's what I'd tell him. I'd tell him, Zacchaeus, even though you've been changed, sometimes you'll live like your old self. Even though you've been changed, sometimes you'll live like your old self. Your old habits are still being reformed by your new heart. Think about that. And I'm telling you that so that when you see that going on in your own life, you don't give up. For the Christian, change is a slow process, but it's a sure process. I tell him, even though you've been changed, days of apathy might come. Let me, I want to say it slow, because no lie, I thought about this. And I try, all of our elders try, to get with the people in our church as much as we can. And over the course of like two weeks, I met with and talked to like four people, and all of everyone mentioned the word apathy. That it just, you just feel like, that to get up and to do it again, that to get up and open the word again, that to come to church again, that to keep praying, that to keep sort of gathering with with people, not just in church, outside of it, that it's just kind of like, just a little blah. And so I tell him, there's days of apathy might come, probably will come. And maybe Zacchaeus, he's going to talk to me. I tell him, Zacchaeus, you got to be ready because sometimes the fire dies down. Don't you feel it? Don't you remember the days when you like came to faith and you're like, I'm on it for everything. I'm locked in, as they would say. And then the fire just fades. And that's because the flesh fights. Your flesh battle. It doesn't want you going in the right direction. It doesn't want you swing, swing. Swimming upstream. The fire fades. It's a grind. And he might ask, Marv, we're talking on Bay Street. Just use your imagination. He might say, Marv, what should I do when it happens? I'd look at him. I'd tell him, fight. Fight with prayer. Pray through it. Acknowledge it. Just admit it. Because sometimes we come, we're here, and we're looking the part. But inside, it's not going on. And we, we need to be the kind of people who say, it's not going on. Because that's the way to get help. Admit it. Confess it. Ask for help. Here's the other thing that's really important. Do not drift away. That's the biggest temptation. And I won't lie to you. I'm watching some of you drift away. Can I just be your shepherd for a minute? One of the hardest things for me to do as a preacher is, is admonish. It's not in my sort of nature. That's Pastor Yogi's strength. And I love him for it. He does it to me all the time. Praise God for plurality, right? But I'm growing in that. 
And I'm watching some of you. You're not here right now, and I hope you listen to this this week. Drift away, and it's dangerous. Because when you drift, you open yourself up to satanic attacks. You open yourself up to the flesh being reformed into a new habit, and the longer you drift, and the farther you go, the harder it is to walk back home. And we know you can come home because all you got to do is go back to Luke 15. The prod- he, he call him the prodigal son. He truly wasn't in the faith if you actually pay attention. But he comes home. You can come home, but it was hard, wasn't it? And so, yes, I know you feel the apathy. You feel the temptation to drift, but don't. Don't listen to the lie of Satan. Don't listen to the lie of the culture that's going to be easier if you just give up on Jesus Christ. It is not. Because Jesus is, he he is the best thing in the world. And he loves you more than anything that you will find out there. He will never abandon you. And that temptation that says it's going to be better out there, it's a lie. Walking with Jesus is hard. I'm not going to lie to you. It's a grind. That's why I'm up here saying part two, don't give up. But trust me, it's better. It's good for you. You're maturing. You're being sanctified. You're changing. God is holding you. Stay with it. Discipline is hard, but there's always good results, isn't it? It ain't easy going to the gym, but you look good after, don't you? Stick with it. Pray through it. And I tell him, Zacchaeus, even though you've changed, you've been changed, the process is not complete. Even though you've been changed, the process is not complete. You got, when Jesus ch- brings you in, there's, a, there's this already and not yet reality. He, he changes you then and there. But then he sharpens all of the rough hedges in your life. Honestly, sometimes I'm like, I think that's why I have four boys. There's a lot of rough edges that Jesus, and because he uses people, he uses scripture, he uses the trials of life just to refine you and sanctify you and mature you. I'm giving you theology on salvation. You are saved, you're sanctified, and then, Lord willing, when he comes, you will be glorified. That's the reality. And I want you to understand that the change moment, beautiful. Glorified moment, beautiful. Sanctified moment, hard. And that's what some people won't tell you when you come to the faith. That in the middle, it's in the middle. It's in the middle. That is the part that is tough. It's in the middle. In the middle is where you find out who's in and who's out. And we're in the middle. Keep going. Saved, sanctified, will be glorified. That's what I tell Zacchaeus. What I tell him is what I've been telling you. Hold on. God is doing a good thing in you. He's done a good thing for you. And there is only joy coming. Remember, Zacchaeus came down and says he received him joyfully. That word is a picture of what you are going to spend the rest of your life doing joyfully receiving and spending time with your father in heaven that is what's coming so don't give up 
Let's stand and pray. Father, I give you thanks for the word. I pray, Lord God, that the things that I've said that needed to be heard would have been heard and the things that maybe you need to press in a little further, you would do that. I pray, Father, that you would help me, help all of us, Lord God, to continue to trust you in the struggle, in the grind, to keep walking with you, to embrace discipline, not to live for the now, but for the later, but to trust you in the now and to continue to walk with you. I pray that our life would bring you glory, that through the ups and downs, people would look and they would say, oh, I don't know why, I don't know why that sister or that brother is holding on, but it's beautiful to see. Help us trust you, O oh God. Help us walk with you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.